situation. He took a pinch in the back, he got beamed for crying out loud. We used heart attack. Please. Managers on a Major League Baseball team! Don't make decisions! Credibility in this situation is worse than losing your job. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? The castration of the Major League Baseball managers, we know it. Ask me about my win. What's going on, everybody? You ever think that there's a possibility that a coach in any professional sport would actually just want to get fired? It's one of the many questions that could be asked when we're talking about the very short stay of Urban Meyer as the head football coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, a hiring that seemed like it was a little off the radar when it originally happened. And, you know, there were some questions that could be asked. Hey, was he ready to make the jump from the college level where he dominated, where he was obviously one of the greatest coaches, certainly in this the past 25 years? Or, you know, was the NFL such a different game that was going to keep him from having the same kind of success? The issue that I had right off the bat where I felt like Urban Meyer didn't have necessarily the best opportunity to succeed was the job that he chose. He took the head football coach job of the Jacksonville Jaguars, a team that finished 1-15 last year. One thing that Urban Meyer has never experienced throughout his career as a coach is losing. So coming off of a 1-15 team, it's not like Urban Meyer himself has the ability to take a group of players, no matter who they are, whether they're good, whether they're bad, and just turn them into an all-of-a-sudden championship caliber and run organization. That wasn't going to happen in the first year. And anybody that believes that Urban Meyer is out or any reason that Urban Meyer is not coaching the Jacksonville Jaguars that has anything to do with the team's 2-11 and record, I think it's a silly take as well. Because he wasn't turning the Jaguars around this year. Even if he was fortunate to have Trevor Lawrence as the number one overall pick as his quarterback of the future, there was that dream scenario where we could think about what the Jaguars could be like with that exact coach and that exact quarterback. Trevor Lawrence still may have some greatness in front of him. And if you think of the likes of Peyton Manning and Troy Aikman and other quarterbacks that have started out on bad football teams, listen, Trevor Lawrence by himself wasn't going to fix that offensive line. That offensive line with the same players and personnel that they had a year earlier when they went 1-15, all of a sudden weren't going to start being able to block for Trevor Lawrence when they couldn't block for Gardner Minshew. But on to Urban Meyer, because... You're looking at, as you're going to rate in history, one of the biggest disappointments in a head coaching position of all sports. And there's very few scenarios we could talk about where coaches are out after one year. You could think of Bobby Petrino with the Atlanta Falcons going from college to the pros. It didn't work out. Nick Saban had one year with the Miami Dolphins and Yes, left there to go to Alabama and win how many championships? You know, the question could be, is Urban Meyer just a college head coach? I don't know if he was ever set up to succeed. And this is the part where I may go against the grain here. I don't know if Urban Meyer ever really wanted the job 
as head football coach at the Jacksonville Jaguars. And you say, well, listen, he took the money, he took the job, he had to have won it. Urban Meyer has been known for leaving programs very quickly, uh, having second thoughts, whether it's retirement or health-related. He, he certainly, he, you look at his last couple major stops, he was great at Florida, great at Ohio State, but left there abruptly in both spots. Shad Khan, the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, probably had to do some recruiting when it came to getting Urban Meyer in the mix in the first place. Certainly a lot of it was financially motivated. The amount of money, the millions and millions of dollars that Urban Meyer it was going to get paid over the course of a long-term, long-term deal to be the head football coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars had a lot to do with it. But I don't know. And I don't know if it, you, you got to put a, a polygraph or a lie detector and ask Urban Meyer, did you ever really want this job? Because the impression you gave was that he was essentially just taking Chad Khan's money and just was going to do whatever he wanted. He seemed to have that attitude that he was a little superior to anybody that was involved in that organization. And we could talk about the drastic differences as they exist when it comes to uh, coaching in the National Football League and coaching in college. Listen, I'm not here to lecture anybody on that. I'm going to assume that the majority of the people watching and listening to this program understands the idiosyncrasies and differences of coaching in the National Football League and coaching in college. I'm not going to uh, you know, dumb down you to the third grade level when it comes to comprehension. This was something that looks like it was set up to fail from the beginning. And I rooted for Urban Meyer. I certainly did because I knew his ability as a football coach. If he was coaching a more talented group of players, this team would be on its way. But he's not. He took over a lousy team that was going to take a couple years to get good. And you want to say the one thing that you could put absolutely 100% unequivocally against Urban Meyer was the fact that when the going got tough, Urban Meyer looked worse and worse. He couldn't handle adversity. He couldn't handle adversity amongst his own players. He couldn't handle his coaching staff. He couldn't handle the fact that he was a coaching a losing football team. Now, was his answer to get rid of all the coaches? Hey, maybe. If he stuck around and fired his whole coaching staff and brought in a whole new group of coaches, maybe the Jaguars are better in the next year. But you know what? It probably wasn't that. It's the fact that he inherited such a bad football team. Now, I think as a coach, X's and O's, talent-wise, understanding the game. And like I said, if you want, you could have your own side conversation talking about the obvious differences between coaching in the NFL and coaching in college. Have that conversation yourself. I don't care. But when it comes to his his preparation, was he ready to lead a football team? I think he could have. If you give him a better roster, you give him a mid-level roster somewhere, I'm trying to think of teams sitting in a 6-7 and spot when it comes to the playoffs. Would he look a little bit better with Atlanta's roster? Would he look a little bit better with the Denver Broncos roster? I don't know. I think maybe he has a little more flexibility. Could kind of uh, flash his name out there a little bit, get a little more done. Maybe have those teams in a little better direction, but probably not much more one loss wise. And how does he handle that? You saw how he handled the two and eleven team. How does he handle a team that's six and seven, or five and eight, 
maybe going up, maybe on their way. But this wasn't going to happen this year with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And it makes me think of another time where I'm convinced that another coach was forced out of retirement or at least was content on their own and was basically forced into a seat that they didn't necessarily want. Money ended up prevailing, and Bobby Valentine took the job as the manager of the Boston Red Sox, excuse me, in 2012. Now, you know coaches coach, so it's hard for Bill Parcells to say no. I'm sure it was hard for Bobby Valentine to say no, and I'm sure in this individual instance, it was difficult for Urban Meyer to say no when he was offered a job as the coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. But Bobby Valentine was, I believe, let it, let it kind of get to his head a little bit. I think he believed that he was a little um, more valuable than he really was. He took over a team that had a lot of veteran players with the Boston Red Sox. Players in some cases, a lot of them, a lot of the long-standing players on a team had won a World Series less than five years ago in 20, 2007. So Bobby Valentine believed that he was brought there to be the difference. He was brought there to be the one to shake it up. He's the one to you know put his, his face into the player's and make sure it's known that he's the boss. He's the new sheriff in town. That didn't work out well. You start criticizing players that had played in the game for a while and had success in one World Series championships, they're going to turn against you pretty quick. And I think Bobby Valentine, as, well, as great of a baseball man as he is, as knowledgeable and successful as a Major League Baseball manager as he has been, deep down inside his head, understood this. And the same thing could be said about Urban Meyer. There was no winning in Jacksonville this year. They were not going to be 11-2 running away with the AFC South Championship. They didn't have an offensive line. They're running the same offensive line out there that they had when Gardner Minshew was their quarterback last year. You think that's going to be able to protect Trevor Lawrence? Listen, they couldn't hit free agency or they chose not to. They had many different important needs that had to be addressed on this team for them to be winning and successful this year. That was never happening. That was never even on the table as a possibility. So because of that, you can't tell me that Urban Meyer, a guy who's coached in the the in college for a long time, you tell me that this guy did not know that this was going to be a losing team in his first season? Do you think he was that egotistical when it came to his own personality and belief that he was that good that he was just going to sit there, wake up one day, and the Jacksonville Jaguars were going to be a juggernaut in the National Football League? Because I don't think he believed that. And I don't think he was ready to take this job as the coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He had to be convinced and I'm blaming Shad Khan, the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, who, yes, wanted to make the big-time hire, wanted to make that type of hire that in his head could turn around this franchise and turn it into a successful winning team. Yes, Urban Meyer would be on my list if I'm looking for a head coach, but I don't want to be so naive to not even check to see if this guy is interested in the job. Because money spoke 
Nobody's going to turn down that money. You give that amount of money to me to coach the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I'm going to go uh, all in. Yes, I'll take the job. I'll be great at the press conference. I'll do the best job I can, but are you going to win there? The answer was no. So Urban Meyer was set up to fail. Now, you can blame anything you want to on Urban Meyer. Uh, the biggest mistake he made was taking that job because he didn't want to take that job. And there's an issue with that. There's an issue with how, throwing so much money at a coach in this case. And you've spoke, we've spoken about players that have taken a ton of money from places that they probably didn't want to go to, but the money spoke. If we hit a point in professional sports where money is taking away the practicality of whether there is a fit. I think it was in Urban Meyer's case. The fact that Chad Khan threw all this money at him made it to where there's no way he could say no. Is that where he wanted to be? Well, you could say, hey, Gainesville, Florida area. He had, From 2005 to 2010, he was great as the head football coach at Florida. Yes. Just a couple of years later, he was there at, at Ohio State. Uh, undefeated season the first year. Lost a total of what? Two, four, six, eight, nine games in seven seasons. He lost 11 with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, like I said, when, when you don't have any talent, all the coaching in the world ain't going to do anything. And he could blame Darren Bevel and anybody else on that coaching staff for not getting the most out of these players. The players in a Jacksonville Jaguars roster, more than half of them on that roster stink. And you know what? Is there places for them if you spread them through the National Football League where they could be successful? Yes. You talk about somebody like a Tra uh, Trevor Lawrence, does he have a great future ahead of him? He probably still does. I'm not willing to bail on Trevor Lawrence after one terrible season in a, with a terrible offensive line and a terrible situation. Like I said, Troy Aikman, Peyton Manning, look at their records, their first years as quarterbacks in the National Football League. They're in the Hall of Fame now. Didn't start out that way. But my major point about Urban Meyer is I don't think he ever wanted to take the job at Jacksonville in the NFL. Now, who knows? He'll lay in the weeds by the time you're talking about the big-time coaching hires next year, the beginning of next January when coaches are, are, are bailing on their kids, you know, the kids that they have invested the time in, the kids that want to play for the program because they're the head coach, they're going to be up there quitting and jumping to go to different schools because of the idiotic system that's set up in college football with early recruiting. You guarantee it, Urban Meyer's name is going to be in the mix. And he's going to take another college job. Now, can he not hack it in the National Football League? I'm not willing to take that point on either. Because I don't know. Listen, you talk about not making it through the 17 games. I think that's an indictment on Urban Meyer. Any of the alleged incidents that you've seen over the course of the season, the way he talks to his coaches, kicking Josh Lambeau, um, the incident with the girl on his lap, which I don't blame him that much for. You know, a lot of people want to make a bigger deal about that than it is. But if it's an incident in accumulation with a lot of other instances, then yes, it's all an indictment on the man, the man who I believe never wanted a job in the first place and acted that way. 
Point number two. The New York Mets are about to make a, a decision when it comes to their next manager. They're going to make a decision that's going to be based off of uh, probably a ton of different baseball things. The owner, Steve Cohen, was involved in the, in the triumvirate of candidates. Buck Showalter, Matt Quartraro, and Joe Espada, who are going to be the three finalists to be considered to be the New York Mets manager. I don't know why I'm spending any time talking about this, but I want to hit the conversation from this angle. The manager of the Mets is going to be a figurehead. A lot of a lot of fans and the media think it's such a slam dunk that they're going to hire Buck Showalter, and they still may. I look at it two ways. If the Mets hire Buck Showalter as their next manager, you're going to find few people that are happier about it than I am. Because Buck Showalter, the baseball man, I know he's a freaking genius. He knows baseball more than I know baseball. And if you don't think I know baseball, then you haven't watched my show before. Buck Showalter is one of the most intelligent baseball men. Knows its history, knows the X's and O's, knows the game in and out more than anybody that I've ever spoken to in my lifetime. I'd be ecstatic if Buck Showalter was named the manager of the New York Mets. If he's not, it's because I'm right. And you can say, oh, John, here you go with this shit again. Yeah, the manager of a Major League Baseball team is essentially just a figurehead. He is His responsibility in a game of 2021 going into 2022 is to follow the directions that come from the analytic staff and the front office. The lineup's provided for him. The defensive positioning is aligned for him. The plan in regards to how to use pitchers over the course of the game may not be 100% scripted, but it's understood so-and-so's pitch is going to throw this many pitches. After that, these are the guys that are going to come in in this sequence. A lot of baseball fans want to argue with me. A lot of baseball fans still don't understand that. But I will tell you this. If the make, if the Mets make the decision to hire Matt Quattraro or Joe Espada as their next manager, I will tell you that I'm right. And I'm right in regards to the type of excuse me, of baseball person they're looking for. Somebody who has experience as a bench coach, which is working a lot with the analytics department, which is working a lot hand-in-hand with the front office. You want somebody to essentially have that type of position, not ask any questions, implement the data that they're handed to by their superiors, and make sure the players get it. The other thing, very important, Make sure you got a tone of that locker room. Make sure you got a pulse of those players. Make sure the players want to come to work and are happy and excited and feel good about themselves. That's an important part of the Major League Baseball manager today. Now, Buck could do that. Joe Espada could do that. Quattraro could do that. The question is going to be, do the Mets want to hire somebody that may be willing to buck the curve? No pun intended. Bucking the curve is going to be what the media wants. Bucking the curve is going to be what most fans want. They want a manager with the balls to say, F the analytics, 
I'm going to go based off of the pulse of the game. I'm going to make in-game decisions. I'm going to be the one that determines whether the team wins or the team loses. That's what the media wants. That's what the fans want. That's not reality in baseball right now. And because of that, we're going to have a problem. If Buck Showalter takes this job as the manager of the New York Mets, the reason's going to be, hey, he's got he's going to he's going to be Billy Martin. He's going to be Luke Pinella. He's going to be Sparky Anderson. He's going to be Dick Williams. He's going to be asked to follow instructions. And I just spent some time talking about Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer, from an X's and O's standpoint, from a football knowledge standpoint, knows his shit. Was expected to be with the Jacksonville Jaguars for a long time. Took the job. I don't believe he wanted to take the job, but that's a different point, a point I've already made. But after a year, it's not working. There's a chance Buck Showalter could take this job. And with the amount of analytics, with the decisions that he would like to make in a game, working against him, he might not want this job for very long. So I think it's another thing that has to be considered. The other element, and if you look, I don't know, what are you talking about, 50 miles away, less than 50 miles away from where I am here in Tom's River? You got the Philadelphia Phillies. David Dombrowski is the team president. Sam Fold is the general manager. Joe Girardi, very good manager with the Yankees, won a World Series championship, had a good year with the Miami Marlins, who were the Florida Marlins in 2006. You're already seeing some of the negative elements of not hiring a yes man in Philadelphia. If you follow the Philadelphia Phillies baseball team, yes, you could celebrate the fact that they finished over 500 this past year. They were the second best team in the NL East. They were certainly in a wild card mix up until the last couple weeks of the season. You could say that the 2021 season was a success for the Philadelphia Phillies. But internally, it wasn't. Internally, there's a tug of war going on. And I believe that tug of war is led by the manager, Joe Girardi, that wants to manage like he had the opportunity to for the most part, when he was in charge of the New York Yankees on the bench. He's not given that same opportunity. There's data that's being thrown his way. There's data he's being required to use in games. And there's a rift between the players and the analytics department, which is led by the manager, because the manager is not the yes man. Are the Mets going to make the same mistake? And I'm not saying the Phillies made a mistake. Who knows what they end up doing after the lockout ends. Maybe they make a couple important moves and they turn out to be the team to beat in the National League East. But last year, in spite of their record, there is a little bit of a tug of war going on between the quote-unquote real baseball people and the analytical people. And I would even put Dombrowski on the same side as Joe Girardi. Saying, hey, these are both old-school baseball men who have succeeded in a game that wasn't run by numbers. And then you got the analytics staff, you got the general manager, you got all the people that the Philadelphia Phillies hired to use and study and uh, put data into the game kind of on the other side. And I wonder if the Mets are going to consider this. You can hire Buck Showalter. Like I said, you're not going to find a person out there 
is going to be any more excited than I am if the next Mets manager is Buck Showalter. But I'll tell you this, it might not be the right decision. Buck might not be around for very long if there is that similar type of tug of war. The Mets have increased their analytics staff from six to almost 30 people. And because of that, that data is going to be something the Mets are going to want to get their money's worth. They're not going to throw all that data aside because they hired a baseball lifer. Buck Showalter, if he's given the opportunity to do the job, like he did with the Yankees, like he did with the Diamondbacks, the Texas Rangers, and for the most part with the Baltimore Orioles, might be able to lead the Mets to a World Series championship. The question is going to be, can Buck Showalter manage the Mets who have increased their analytics department from 6 to almost 30 and are guaranteed to be throwing a whole bunch of data your way, Buck's way. And he's going to have to use it. He's going to have to make less decisions. He's going to have to follow more instructions. If I'm Steve Cohen and I'm listening to Buck, I'm going to listen to every word he says when it comes to this. I know he wants the job. Does he want the job the way it's going to be? Not what the fans want. Not what the media wants. But what's right for the direction of the organization. Last point we're going to make today, and I do want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Past Ball Show. Just a reminder, brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Alwish's Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. If you're in the Scranton area today, you know, t- take a look. Look out for Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck run by, by Karen and Jenny. Great food. Uh, they'll be out there all day working hard, preparing the amount of food that they do. Um was thinking today about teams overcoming a 3-1 deficit. Not in a semifinal series or quarterfinal series or division series or championship series. I'm thinking about World Series, Stanley Cup, NBA Finals. A lot of you probably know, but it's only happened eight times in the three major Sports that have, you know, best of seven finals and championship series. World Series, Stanley Cup Finals, NBA Finals. And I was watching a little little, little bit on the MLB Network about the 1979 Pirates. One of the teams in baseball that overcame a 3-1 deficit. And you wonder um, all the elements that that takes out of the team that loses in a series. It happened in 2016 twice. The only time in the history of the National Basketball Association an NBA team was up three games to one and ended up losing the series. That's, of course, the Golden State Warriors against the Cleveland Cavaliers. And then you can make the joke because the Cubs lost to the, I'm sorry, beat the Indians down three to one in the World Series. Then you had the election in November, which seemed like Hillary Clinton was up three games to one. Ended up losing to Donald Trump. 2016 is probably the year of the three three to one comebacks. Only one time in the history of the National Hockey League has a team come back from a three to one series deficit to win a Stanley Cup. And that was in 1942 when the Toronto Maple Leafs beat the Detroit Red Wings. 
little caveat here. They came back from a three to zero deficit. So it's never happened since the team come back from a three one deficit in the Stanley Cup Finals. But in this one case in 1942, one original six team, the Maple Leafs, came back from a three zero series deficit to beat the Detroit Red Wings. So you got the basketball instance, the hockey instance, the only times in either one of those sports that a team has come back in a finals to win the championship traveling three games to one. In baseball, it's happened six times. 1925, the Pittsburgh Pirates came back against the Washington Senators. 1958, the, 19, the 1958 Yankees were trailing three games to one against the Milwaukee Braves. 1968, 10 years later, the Detroit Tigers came back and beat the St. Louis Cardinals. You got the instance, of course, in 1979 with the Pirates coming back against the Orioles. 1985, the Kansas City Royals were trailing three games to one against the St. Louis Cardinals. And the other instance... It was, of course, 2016. Going back to the 85 series, Game 6, Don Denkinger, call on first first base. It calls differently. Cardinals win the World Series. So six times in baseball in a World Series it's happened. Once in hockey, once in the NBA. We'll be back with you next week. And as always, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Pass Ball Show. Once again, we're brought to you by JohnPLA.com, by St. Aloysius Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Just a couple days, we'll be back with you on Monday, talk about everything going on in the world of baseball, sports, and unifying America. You can check out the podcast if you're interested, uh, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, videos on YouTube. Just search my name, John Pielli. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side. Chris Fry was on the Chicago Cubs roster opening day. I have many leather-bound books. My apartment smells of rich mahogany. Why don't you give it all or a majority of it to the team that wins the freaking World Series? I'm just going to listen to that, but then I just carried on living my life. Now they come out as the biggest Major League Baseball manager apologist. That'll only make someone work just hard enough not to get fired. Because hitters are going out there saying, I'm either going to hit a home run or I'm going to strike out. And if I don't get a pitch that I feel like I could drive out of the park. I'm not even supposed to be here today. Especially prospect whores and hoarders are going to be a little pissed off at me when I say this. I'm a dude playing the dude disguises another dude. There are only two managers in baseball's Hall of Fame who have losing records. One of them is the iconic Connie Mack, who you could say, in spite of winning five World Series championships as a manager, could be in as much as a pioneer. And what side of the spectrum they're on? Were they pitching? Were they batting? If your favorite team was pitching and a ball got inside to hit a batter, there's no way it could have been on purpose. But if you were a fan of the team that was batting and a ball got inside and hit somebody or went behind somebody's head, absolutely 100% unequivocally that pitcher was throwing at They put their tail between their legs and decided they're going to do exactly what they're told. You damn well right better give him a contract extension. You damn 
well right. Better make him the manager over the next series of years. 35 years ago, I could have loaned your parents the money for an abortion. <laughs>